God is good, amen. This has been a bit of a different uh, long weekend for me. It's been painful, but comfortable and uncomfortable and amazing because I've had more time to be with my daddy. And uh, today, as, as, as I share, this is unlike any other time that I've shared before. Um, I've been nervous and excited at the same time because this is more prophetic message than any time I've shared before. And I believe God is putting a peg in the ground today and declaring that it's a new day. And the message that I'm sharing with you is hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You can turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. You'll know it well. Ooh, going into Revelation. <laughs> and Revelation 2 and 3 um, include the seven letters to the seven churches. And as you read it, you'll recognize it. And uh, before I begin, I just want to say that this is not targeting any specific person. This is not targeting any group. I'm not targeting choose life. I mean, being a pastor here, I'm, I'm in this as well. This is a challenge for me as well. And, and I'm just obeying what God gave me to speak on and what the message that I believe God wants you to hear. And uh, let's read verse 1 to 7 in Revelation 2. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them to be false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Bless the reading of God's word. Amen. Now that's the first of the seven letters, and it speaks of losing your first love and departing from your first love. And the last of the seven speaks of, I would rather that you were hot or cold, not lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And the letters in between range from different sins they committed, from defrauding one another to sexual immorality. And between learning, losing our first love and being lukewarm, I believe we can find ourselves somewhere there. My first point is that the church as a whole needs to repent. Now forgive me, this is a, you know, it comes across as quite a heavy 
But I believe the church, the Western church, we're, it mentions there about wicked people. And we're so quick to see outright sin and stay away from it. But I believe there's things that have crept in underneath that we've missed. And the devil is smiling. And the church today, I believe, is addicted to encouragement and confirmations. Because we struggle to believe. Because we don't get along alone with God. He has to convince and keep giving us extra confirmations. Confirmations are not wrong. But if we're desperate for so many, are we really getting with God? Because if you're really with God, you know what he said. He doesn't need to confirm it to you as if, didn't you believe me the first time? We display self-righteousness instead of right standing with God. In different ways. Um, we come in not targeting anybody again. We come in, we submit a word at the ministry mic and it doesn't get released and we walk off seething. Why was I not acknowledged? And already something's gone wrong in your heart. I believe the church today looks to people more than they look to God. We look to people too much. Make me feel good. Make me feel better. Encourage me, brother. Prophecy is powerful and I'm prophetic myself, so I love it. So I'm not knocking it. But it's not enough on its own. God wants to speak to you more directly, more often than he wants to through somebody else. And if you're only going to somebody else, how little are you getting? And then we wonder why we struggle to believe. We heard it earlier. We believers, so we say we believe the whole word. Can I rock the boat and say there's times I don't believe everything in here? What I mean by that is I'm a believer and I know that it's true and I know that it's the word and I know that it'll change my life, but I at times don't see these things in my life. And I'm wrestling with them and we need to get back to the place where we are blatantly honest and get on our knees and say, God, I don't see this in my life. Please help me. But I believe we've resorted to being happy with second best. God, just help me feel good and I can carry on with my life. This is too uncomfortable to apply everything. We mistake gifting for anointing or fruit. I need to be the same up here as I am down there. And this is not about anybody specific, but there's those who are leading people astray. And up here, there's a gifting that's on show, but behind the scenes, behind closed doors, is there godly behavior? Is there love for one another? Are we the same up here as we are down there? Like God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to be consistent wherever we are. Because otherwise, because we so want the encouragement, we'll go after the gifting, and then I feel a little bit okay, and then I wonder why tomorrow it's worn off. Because it's not enough to go after gifting. It's not enough to go for a good service. And again, I'm not knocking what, what's happening here. I'm a, I'm a pastor here. I honor John and Andrew. I honor the leadership and what's taking place here. We have wonderful worship. We have wonderful services. But it's not enough. When is the church going to be desperate for God again? Just for God. Like the church of old in the book of Acts. I believe we've become satisfied with less miracles because we've seen too little. So we've pulled back. I'm not going to push all the way because I've been disappointed too many times. 
But if Jesus is the standard and he healed everybody, how can we push back? Yes, there's timing, and I'm not knocking that. And there's people that haven't been healed yet, and we don't understand why, but we can't back off. Jesus didn't back off. He's our standard, so we've got to press on. We've got to believe. And I long for the day, and please, I mean this with with sensitivity. There's people in this church that are in wheelchairs. Should it be so? Or can we get back to being the church of old where we fasten them on the wall and they walk out of those doors? Where is that church? I want to be like that. I want to be so hungry for God. Where are the Smith Wigglesworth days? John G. Lake. I walk past a person and the Holy Spirit hits them. Not because I did anything, but because I've so got the Holy Spirit inside of me, He grabs them. Because it's God who changes people, not me. Are we longing for those days? Or are we satisfied with less? We've been disappointed, so we pull back. We've been hurt in church, so we build a fence. We take offense to others. We walk with unforgiveness. And we look to people more than we look to God. Christianity is not a personal development program, a club we join to feel better. But often I think that's what we've displayed to the world. They're like, why should I believe you? I don't see any difference between you and me, except you're going to heaven. That's not the only difference. My life should be completely different. Why are you at peace when there's war? Why are you seeking God when there's no breakthrough? Because there's no plan B for me. It's God or nothing. And when are we going to get back to the place where we get down on our knees and we are blatantly honest with where we are and say, God, I'm not there, but please get me there. I long to see the day where the church is, we come in here and we can't even have a service because we're all on the floor. Because the Holy Spirit knocks us over. I told Fritz that this morning. I said, are you looking forward to the day when you're standing here and you lie down and you can't even worship? Those days are coming, friends. And are you going to hunger and thirst for that? Because God responds to our faith. And I believe if we pursue it, it can happen sooner. We need to desire to be used of God and not acknowledged. Stop seeking to be acknowledged by people. God said, I will exalt you. Because if people acknowledge you before, it's the right time that will destroy you. Because then you're not ready. I remember those days I thought that myself, I haven't arrived. The more I serve God, the more I realize I'm desperate for more. And the more I realize how little I know. And it's not about being a pastor. It's not about being 41 and knowing God like 35 years of my life. Do I really know him? I know him more in the last two years than I did in the, probably the 35 years before that. Not because of me, because I believe because of God's grace, because I responded in hunger, he grabbed me. And he wants to grab you too. Are you going to respond? And are we going to be like the church of old? Andrew mentioned it. Andrew doesn't need another fancy service. Andrew and Vanessa need the power of God to touch her her life. He doesn't need just a fancy service. What do you need? Your situation doesn't need your fancy plans and ideas. It needs God. God and only God. Point two is that we need to return to our first love. 
Remember how it was when you first got saved. Are you as on fire? Are you as zealous as you were then? And if you sit there, you'll know if you're not. And if not, why not? I believe the things of the world have so bombarded us that we've realized, hey, it's too uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable to, to apply everything all the time. I get persecuted or I don't get that answer to prayer. So it's, it's less, you know, controversial. If I just back away a bit, I want to be there with God, but I'll just stay here. And we become numb because we're serving God for, for decades maybe in church. And then we see maybe one too many unanswered prayers. One too many miracles that don't take place in our desire, in our timing. And we've, to a certain degree, I believe we're, we're, still, as, we're still carnal. As Christians, we're still carnal. We still sin, we're not perfect. But what I mean by carnal is, breakthrough comes, now praise God. But when all is okay, I praise Him less. That's not okay. I get that new car, hey, praise God, I'm blessed. I get that new house, praise God. There's nothing wrong with praising God for answered prayer, but if that's the only time you're doing it, where are you really with Him? Are you praising God regardless of if everything around you is a mess? That's what we hear in the Bible. David with Ziglag lost everything and he went to God. We've all had times where we've struggled and we've gone through difficulties and the first thing we didn't do was go to God. That shouldn't be, friends. The Bible says in the last days, the days will be evil and many will fall away. But it doesn't say many, it actually says most. Some of the translations say many to already encourage us a bit that it's not so bad. And you can be sitting there and you can be part of the most that fall away. Do you want to be part of the most? No, I want to be part of the few. I want to be part of that remnant that is so hungry for God. And if we're looking to people too much and not looking to God, then the Antichrist can appear and you could follow him. Because you can't distinguish his voice from all the people you're listening to. But if you were with God and Antichrist appears and you're like, back away, brother. Oh, sorry, you're not my brother. Back away. I certainly am not following you. Because I recognize immediately that's not God. But there will be countless Christians who do not know God the way they say they know him. And they're in jeopardy of falling away. Don't let that be you. We need to have this insatiable hunger and stop coming to church for a fix and think it's enough. I don't mean no disrespect to anybody who's struggled with addiction, but our only addiction should be God. And coming on a Sunday for a service to get a fix and go, and then by Monday it's gone, is not enough. You won't survive. Then you will be tossed to and fro like a reed in the wind, like the Bible says, or walk away from a mirror forgetting what you look like. Because if you're with God, then that's not going to happen. Then you're going to pursue Him no matter what. No matter what comes across your way, you're going to pursue God. You're going to be hungry for Him. And stop trying to do things in your strength. Someone does something to me in church, I get offended. And I come here and I 
profess, hey, everything's fine, brother, love you, bless you, but behind the scenes. And we can't afford to do that. We can't afford to do that. We cannot build an offensive for God while we are offended with each other. And we all have times when we get offended. And you know, when you're offended with someone, steals your peace, all you think about is that, and you can't hear God. Because you just want to sort out this situation. And it doesn't mean it didn't happen. But it comes between you and your intimacy with Father. We need to get alone with God behind closed doors and be blatantly honest, as I mentioned, with where we are right now. We need to be so desperate for God to move, not just to answer our prayers. So desperate to move in every and any situation. What your situation needs is God. What your marriage needs is God. Not for you to try and be the best husband, to try and be the best father. When I did that, I didn't do it so well. My family's sitting right here. But when I got to God, then it made me a better husband and a better father. Because then it's not in my strength. Then it's because I'm full of God. So then my love that needs to be there as a husband and as a father comes out to them. And that's what your family needs. Your family needs you to have time away from them to have time with God. Sounds strange to say that. But we all need that time alone with God that nothing else can replace that. And Jesus is the answer to this dying world. And we need to reach all with that answer. We cannot afford to be distracted by our own need for encouragement and significance. We all want significance. We all want encouragement. We all want to know that we matter because God's called us and made us in his likeness. But friends, your harvest is not here. Your harvest is out there. And until we realize that, we turn that desire in us to change the world for God on each other. And then Christians are hurting other Christians because we're supposed to be out there. And then, whoa, we're quick to judge in church because we know what it looks like. We know what an imperfect Christian looks like. And we need to stop judging one another. We need to start loving one another like we say we do. Forgive me, I know this is a tough word and now you can understand why we're scared and excited at the same time to share it. But I'm in this with you. We're all in this together. When we make God less, we feel less. When we make him more, we feel more. And we need to stop believing the lies of the devil where we serve God and do the work for him based on how we feel, based on how others make us feel. Because we've all had times when we prayed for someone when he didn't feel like it and we were encouraged anyway. You ministered when you didn't feel like it and you were encouraged anyway. So you don't need to seek the encouragement. God gives it to you because he says, reach my people, feed my sheep. You love me, love my sheep. And then you will get encouraged in turn. So we all have it. We, we, build, we build things and like Adam and Eve, I, I believe God's saying, uh, where are you? Where are you, son? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Here I am. 
What's that, son? Um, no, I'm building my offensive wall. I mean, wall of offense. And God's like, I never told you to do that. You know, but God, I have to protect myself. The people in church, they hurt me. Christians hurt me more than the world does. Because we forget who we are. And we don't get to God. And then we think we have the right to judge one another. We don't. Only God has the right to judge. Stop putting up a wall of offense, of unforgiveness, of self-righteousness, of false humility. Where we say we serve God and on the surface everything is fine. No, I'm okay, brother. But we're not willing to hard the, ask the hard questions and say, where are you really? And we don't know each other well enough to be at that point where we can say, can I challenge you on things? And we need to get to that place. Church is not a place where you come just to get a fix. It's a place where you come to get edified because you've been seeking God all week anyway. So now you encourage one another. And we need to be able to go away, get quiet in the secret place and realize I need to have nothing between me and God. So I'm not going to have it. We cannot afford to be offended because it hinders the intimacy. We cannot afford to be angry because it hinders the intimacy. We cannot afford to focus on people more than we focus on God. It's the time to be blatantly honest with God and say, God, I'm not where I should be. I mess up. I do get offended. I do get angry. Been there, done that. Us as pastors up here, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. Don't look at your pastor more than you look to God. You fulfill a role to encourage to a point. You need to be getting to God. I can't get to God for you. And I'm please, I'm not saying members stay away from me. But we need to have the priorities right. If you're getting to God all the time, then the part that I'm supposed to play will be a benefit and a blessing to you. But I'm not supposed to replace what you're doing with God. So actually, the less that I can do to get you to God, then I've done my job. Because you need to be getting to God. We love the people. We serve the people for in, in many different ways. But it's for you as well. And there's nothing that replaces us individually getting to God. And the last point is that we need to do the things we did at first. True significance only comes when we put Jesus first in everything we do and say. Are we truly doing that? Or do people come and say, oh, no, I'm a Christian. Oh, you go to church. That's why the world says that when you ask people, oh, you're a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. That's not what I asked you, but that's what it's become. Are you a Christian, not a churchian? You're not spreading the message of church. You're spreading the message of Christ. If I'm spreading the message of church, see, I'm doing it already. If I'm spreading the message of Christ, Christ will take care of the church. And it's time that the bride, us as the bride, decide we, won't, we don't want to have a blemish. We don't want to have this, this wall between us and God. Like with Adam and Eve, we, in the church today, we're so quick to point out big sin and, and take out people because of it. 
But the smaller things, God said, sin is sin. And are we ready to be real and honest on our knees and say, God, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But help me get there. Help me model it to my family. Help me be consistent. There's that thing that people say about pastors' kids, where if you're not careful, the kids can grow up to hate the church and hate God. Why is that? That comes from being a person up here and being not the same person down there. And then they don't believe you. And that's something that's always scared me. I refuse to do that. I don't always do a good job. I fail my family. But I'm trying. And are you trying? It's time that the church wakes up and stops looking at the on the surface things and gets down to the nitty-gritty where it's difficult, where it's uncomfortable, where it's painful, and say, God, take these things out because I want to reveal you. We need to get back on our knees, back to true praise, true worship, true adoration, back to the secret place where nobody else sees. We need to elicit a response in the heart of Father like the centurion did. We said, no, I don't have to come. I, I know I want to do that. I want to so live for God that Jesus sits up on his seat because I understand that I'm seated with him. And it's so elicits a response. He's like, look at Greg go. Don't you want that? Don't you want Father's heart to be so moved by you? So then stop being so caught up by what's in front of your face. You know when racism will die in this country? is when we stop staring at each other, trying to figure out the problem, and people look at people, and black and white look at each other, and find a problem because you've taken your eyes off God. If we put our eyes back on God again, then we will celebrate our differences, and racism will die in this nation. And in conclusion, that, that leads me to just read, 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, you don't have to turn there, but you'll recognize it well, where it says, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion. Jesus didn't bring religion. He brought relationship. And we need to stop being so religious and get back to a relationship with him and with each other. And then we will see miracles again. Then we will see change again. Holding to a form of outward godliness, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. I don't want to walk around with a form of godliness, and one day God says, you denied my power. And we say, no, look what Jews life did. Look at our services. Look at the sermons I preached. Look at the lives I touched. Yeah, but behind the scenes, there wasn't true godliness. You displayed something. You didn't live it. I would rather not display anything and live it. We heard it. Andrew said, we need the glory of God again. Where's the glory of God largely gone from the church? And that's so controversial. You heard me say how scared I thought to just stand up here as a pastor and say, can I say that? But I would rather obey God than tickle ears. The church needs to get back to its rightful place 
so that it can boldly claim the name of Jesus out there because what we're passionate about, what we're addicted to, is the touch of God and nothing else. We don't need to be noticed. We don't need to have our name on a billboard. But if the lives are touched, that's what matters. So we can go back into the secret place. You don't want to be famous before it's time because then how are you going to get alone? And if I'm ever famous for God, it's going to be to direct people to him. The only name that's worth being famous is Jesus. And the church worldwide needs to get back to the place of shouting the name of Jesus on high. Not pulling back because we're scared of not being tolerant enough. The problems we're facing in this world today is because God's power is being denied. And we are making each other happy. And we are finding issues because people are looking to people and we're trying to solve things ourselves. But if we look to God, He will solve it. Gender issues, racial issues, He will solve them, not us. So I declare prophetically that racism in this nation will die. It's time, church, that we stop playing church and we be the church. Again, I say we're doing these wonderful things taking place here. I stand here as a pastor representing Choose Life and these beautiful things being done. But prophetically, I just see there's so much more. God is so much more for you. God is so much more for us. And this whole place will explode for God and churches that truly focus on Jesus. Because Jesus is his chosen vessel to get his message out. So that means we can delay, we can cause delays. Or our hunger can prompt and elicit a response in the heart of God where he says, I'm going to come down now. I'm going to rain down now, like in the book of Acts. And I long for those days where you come in here, you barely can get to your seat. And it's not about that. It's not about the goosebumps. And, you know, some of us are scared of that. But if your focus is on God, those things are not going to scare you. So don't take the things that are visual that scare you and frighten you out there. Get back to the secret place where nobody else can see. And then you will have the boldness and the confidence to be real before people. And in front of each other, we can say, brother, I'm not there. Help me. Neville, I'm not there. Help me. We encourage our, our brothers. We encourage each other. And we can be real and say, brother, hey, I see this in your life. Not from the point of view of judging, but rather that we have such a relationship that we can, that we can go to each other and say, man, I'm struggling in this. Help me. Not to be encouraged alone, but so that we can edify each other like the body was meant to do. Not to come here and have superficial relationships and we actually hide how we're really doing. And then we don't change because we're not getting to God and we're not being real. So if this is what you want and you're challenged by this, please stand with me so I can pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, right now I just come to you, Daddy, Abba, Father. We long for you. We long for you and only you. Come and rain down on us again with your glory. 
our part as being part of the greater church. We repent of playing church. We repent of getting dis distracted by our own need for significance or encouragement. Father, may everything have its place. Prophecy, encouragement, worship, all those things. May they happen supernaturally because you do them. But may we not look for more in those things than we should be getting. May we stop looking to people as the problem or people to solve the problem. But may we look to you. Father, we want to declare prophetically in Jesus' name that racism in this nation will die. Father, it's rooted in offense and bitterness. We pray and we ask that you would rip the root of that out. Father, and that we can truly look to God again and stop looking to each other so much. And then we can realize, hey, every color is beautiful. And we're all made in the likeness of God. And we're all part of that greater picture. No one is exempt. Father, I pray and ask right now as we just stand, we just, we repent of, of becoming lukewarm. We repent of departing from our first love. We repent of getting more focused on, on at times, services and meetings and, and the surface level things. But we want to get back to our first love. Lord Jesus, like the day when we were saved. May we do the first things again first. May we put the main thing back as the main thing. And it's you, God. Father, I pray and ask that you challenge each and every single one of us. I believe we have been challenged. And Holy Spirit, I pray and ask that you would go with each and every single person as they go home and get quiet with you. And that they would be blatantly honest with where they are right now with you. And say, God, I'm not there, but help me. And I just thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice that our lives will never be the same again. And we declare, Father, that we will be again like the church of old. Father, where you will rain down on us and we will lie prostrate before you. Where we won't be able to function apart from your presence. Rain down on us with your spirit. May we never be the same again. And we declare that today is a marker day. That we will never be the same again. And choose life will never be the same again. Pretoria, South Africa and the world will never be the same again. And I declare, church, you're awake in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Have a wonderful week.